Father, we just come before you just thanking you for the gorgeous weather this past week and oh and 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 the fresh air from the the dreary rain and Lord tonight as we we seek you and seek your presence we give glory and honor to you for you alone are worthy. Lord just uh let my words fall on deaf ears and let your word find good solid ground and bear fruit, Father. For it's your glory and your word that we seek above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. So this sermon, I kind of talked about how, um, as I've been in the word regularly, the Lord has given me the sermons, you, you know, ahead of time. Well, it just so happened that I went to uh, a church uh, of a guy that I really respect and, and I like his teaching. And so I went and he was teaching out of John 20 and it was the Mary Magdalene in front of the Jesus's tomb and everything. So I was, I was listening to it and he was, his, his sermon was more focusing on the love that Mary had for Christ and that the, and the love that Christ had for Mary. And, and I was like, yep, I agree with that. And then as I'm reading it, the Lord was convicting me of something completely different. And I'm like, thanks, that's fun. I can't just enjoy the sermon. I have to be convicted by another different, different version. So thank you for that, Lord. And, uh, and so this sermon kind of comes out of that. But so the first kind of verse I'm going to talk about, and we talked about this before, uh, last sermon, I think, where it was uh, John 4.48. You don't have to turn there because I'm already there. But John 4.48, this is talking about the nobleman's son that was coming to ask Jesus for healing for his son. And, and so Jesus said, the very first thing that Jesus said to him was, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And so, that was an interesting verse when, we pre- when I preached on it last time. And as, as I'm going through this one, it was, just, it was just a reminder that just because you see signs and wonders doesn't even mean you will believe then. And so here we are, you know, we're a couple days away. We're on Good Friday right now, you know, when by all, all thoughts, Jesus is dead, he's buried, and we have yet to see him risen. But there's three places that I found, three places, three different times that Jesus predicts his death three different places, or three different times, but there are multiple references to each of those in the Gospels. So the ones I'm going to hit are only in Matthew, mainly because they're the more descriptive ones. So Matthew 16, 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and be raised the third day. You know, and I'll stop there because then it's Peter going, you're crazy, Lord. And the Lord going, no, I'm not. But here we are. From this time forward, literally right after Peter confesses Christ, Jesus as Christ, from that time on, Jesus, the very first time, is predicting his death and his resurrection. Three days. And be raised on the third day. Then we go to Matthew 17, 22 through 23. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Well, yeah. You, you know, your best friend, your mentor, somebody who you respect, somebody who you just profess with your mouth is Christ, the Messiah, the one you, your whole people have been rooting for is telling you I'm going to die. But he doesn't leave out the third day I will be raised up. And then you go to Matthew 20, 17 through 19, and it's the same thing. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. So literally, Jesus just gave his 12 disciples on the road saying, we're going up there. And by the way, here's a play-by-play -play of what is going to happen when we get there. So three different instances, and these are just the ones that are recorded. Jesus in his talks with the disciples, private talks, could very well have said these this multiple times. But recorded, we have three separate instances where Jesus predicts his death and follows it by saying, I will be raised again. So keeping this in mind, he has prepped them. He has prepped his disciples I'm going to die. Expect this. But I'm going to be raised again. Expect this. You know, and these, the, the 12 disciples and the disciples and the people that follow Jesus are not the smartest. Right? These are fishermen. They're not educated people. They're not, you know, they know enough about the word to be like, oh, if I sin, I sacrifice this. If I, you know, for, if, if, the fields are bountiful, I give 10%, whatever. They know that much. But everything that they have learned about the scriptures has probably been from Christ. So here we are, three times, okay? So now we go, and, and we're going to go to John, John chapter 20. And so this is the part where he was, he was talking about in John 20, 11, through 18. This is Mary at the tomb. Now there is, if you're writing it down, there is also a second reference to this. Uh, we're not going to read that one, but it's in Mark 16, 9 through 11. But in John, it's a little bit more descriptive than in Mark. And so here we are, John 20, 11 through 18. 
But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Let me read that again. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So this is what he read. This is what he was, the, the guy was preaching on. And this is what the Lord convicted me. And this is what I'm going to share with you. Is how many times, how many times have you looked Jesus in the face and missed him. And so as he's talking about the love that Mary has for Jesus and how she was devoted to him, I am hearing the Lord say, how many times have you looked on me and missed me? Not acknowledged me? And I went, yikes. And so that's now led to, well, has... <laughs> You know, we say this is all, all, all sin and struggles, right, or common demand. So I was like, well, is there somebody else out there besides me that's done it? And sure enough, there's these three instances. There's Mary. There's the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then there's the twelve. And so we're going to look at each and every one of these. But So starting here with Mary, you go, well, she was upset, Right? But if you think about it, and, and if you, you reference and you go and look for Mary, it says in the Word, this woman had seven demons cast out of her. Seven, seven demons cast out of her. Throughout the Word, you hear this woman served Jesus, ministered to Jesus, probably fed Him meals, washed His feet, cleaned His clothes, this woman, and by no means here, understand this. Am I talking down to her? This woman is amazing. This woman is one of the handful of people that was brave enough, ballsy enough, to stand at the foot of the cross as the Christ was crucified. One of the most dangerous places probably, and she stood there. And right there, it's telling us that she missed Jesus. This woman knew Jesus. She knew the sound of his voice. She knew who he was. You would think she wouldn't miss him. How could you miss him? 
He's the man that cast seven demons out of you. The man that you changed your whole life for to follow. For years. And she missed him. And that was my great thrill of conviction. As I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm not even listening to him anymore, going, Lord, where have I missed you? And where have I heard you speak to me? Where have I seen your face? And it wasn't so much that he gave me, he didn't roll out the list for me, thank God, because I would still be listening to it now. But he told it to me because he wants me to stay focused, to be aware. So then we go to Luke 24, Luke 24, 13 through 31. <clears throat> and if you're writing it, there's a second reference to the same exact thing um, in Mark 16, 12 through 13. And we just praise the Lord that Luke was way more descriptive than Mark in his two verses. Because this is really interesting. Alright, 24.13. Now behold, two of them were traveling this, that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they were conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning him. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him and saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up and that very hour returned to Jerusalem 
and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he had known them, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So here we have, this is the first instance of disciples. Now they, they call them two men, but we'll say they were disciples because they were followers of Jesus. Okay, these were not the twelve, these were just others in the crowd. But these guys were close enough to Christ to hear everything he had said, to know who he was, and they were close enough to the twelve, friendly enough to the twelve, that they were there when the women came and gave testimony of what had happened. So these men knew Jesus. They, he, they knew him in a more intimate way than just some Joe Schmo that you know, brought his buddy for Jesus to heal. They knew Jesus. So they would know his voice. They would know what he looked like. Yet here, they, here, here Jesus is appearing to them on the road and they did not know it was him. These men were hoping Jesus was the Messiah. They were probably around, at least if not for the third one, the, la the first two, where Jesus predicts his death. And if they didn't hear it from Jesus' mouth, they probably heard it from the twelve. Yo, dude, did you hear? Dude, Jesus, he's predicting his death. He's saying he's going to die. And then chances are, just like us, you know, whisper down the lane, they forget the, oh, and he's going to be raised on the, you know, on, on the third day. They forget that part, and they just listen to the, he's dying, he's dead, he's, he's going to die on the... But my point remains, these guys were close enough to Jesus to know his face, know his voice, know the word that he has been preaching the entire time. And they walked with him for seven miles, ate dinner with him, and it wasn't until then that they knew it was him. And then if you go, it will continue that in 36, Luke 24, 36 through 43. This is Jesus appearing to the disciples, the twelve Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. 
Jesus shows up to his, 12, his 11 disciples and they still didn't believe it was him. These are the men that walked with Jesus from the very stinking beginning. They know who Jesus is. Blindfold them, spin them around, and they hear his voice, they know it's him. They knew Jesus. They knew when he went to the bathroom, when he went to the pray, when he went to eat, when he needed to eat. They knew Jesus. They saw the miracles Jesus performed. They performed miracles in Jesus' name. They sat at the feet of Jesus as he gave them private lessons. Jesus spoke plainly to them, not in parables, plainly to them. These men should not have missed Jesus. If anybody on this earth should not have missed Jesus, it was th these 11. These 11 should not have missed Jesus. And they should have recognized Jesus. Then you go to John 21, 1 through 7. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the, the sea. Okay. If not the next day, a couple days later, Jesus reveals himself again, and you go, well, he was probably way out there. He was, they were not so far out there that they couldn't hear Jesus yell. And so you're telling me these 12, these 11, these disciples of Jesus couldn't recognize the voice that they had served, that they had followed? And it wasn't until a miracle was before their eyes That one of them was like, oh, hey, that's Jesus. 
They missed him again. The disciples missed him again. So now you go, and now you see that there are multiple instances in the Bible of missing Jesus. And not only are they missing Jesus on any other day, this is the time of Jesus' greatest victory. Greatest victory in history. They miss Jesus. Literally, the man died, beaten bloody, that most people probably would have died from, crucified. The man is physically in front of him. His, he has not changed, okay? He has not ascended in glory. He looks the same. I have to believe he looks the same. He wasn't transfigured yet. He has the holes in his hands and feet to prove it's me. So how did they miss them? How did they miss Jesus multiple times? These people who knew him, who were intimate with him. How did they miss Jesus on his greatest day of victory? And I'm so glad you asked that question because I'll answer it for you. How, do, how, often, how did they miss him? Because they were blinded. How often are we blinded from missing Jesus? You know, Mary Magdalene, this woman probably loved Jesus more than she ever loved any other man. You know, you and I and everybody else owes our life, our eternity to Jesus. She knew it. She knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You don't go being possessed by demons to being delivered and not and just go on your merry way. That woman knew Jesus. But she missed Jesus through her sadness. She was too focused on her sadness. She didn't, in her sadness, she did not remember the promises that he spoke, what he foretold. I have to believe that this woman was intimate in, the, in that inner circle of Jesus. And when he was telling them and saying, I am going to die, he wasn't just like, Mary, yo, can you step out a second? I got to talk to the boys. She was probably there. She probably heard him predict his death. But in her sadness, at her loss, and the loss of her, her loved one, she missed him right in front of her. Then you have the disciples on the road. These guys were intimate. They lost and missed Jesus because they weren't, they weren't listening. They weren't processing 
what had happened, what they'd heard. You know, they were debating between each other what all these things meant. And in their debate, they missed Jesus right in front of them. And then you have the twelve. On two separate occasions, they missed Jesus. Through sadness, disbelief, And they missed him because of work. They didn't recognize Jesus because they were caught up in their work. I've been there. I've been so caught up in my work that I missed Jesus. How often do we miss Jesus? You know, they missed Jesus on his greatest triumph, the, these, these people who, were surra- who surrounded themselves and were in the presence of the Lord. And so you go, you, you know, you say to yourself, just like I said to myself, well, if they're going to miss Jesus, on his greatest day of victory... How am I going to not miss them? How am I not going to miss Jesus? I'm going to miss Jesus. If they're going to miss him, I'm going to miss him. And I wasn't even in the presence of Jesus. And as I'm asking myself this, and I am reading these instances, the answer is right there. The answer is right there in black and white and red. How often will I miss Jesus? Probably pretty stinking frequently. And you know, that would make me sad that I'm missing Jesus. But just because you don't see him The truth is, in black and white, he still shows up. He still shows up. Whether you're in sadness, whether you're at work, whether you're in happiness, in joy, discussing, he still shows up. You don't have, you don't have to, you will want to, but you don't have to recognize Jesus and acknowledge him there for him to show up. He's already there. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So getting caught up in your work, is that going to separate you from God? No. Is your daughter distracting you? Is that going to separate you from the love of God? No, it's not. 
There is nothing that is going to separate you from the love of God, which means there is nothing that is going to separate you from the presence of the Lord. You may suck at seeing him and recognizing him and missing his voice, but the truth, just because you're doing that, doesn't mean he's not there. You know, and, and as, so as I'm researching this, right, there was one thing and I was like, oh, that was nice, Lord. He, he goes, Tyler, what did I name my son? As I'm moping to myself, woe is Tyler, I'm going to, I keep missing Jesus. He goes, what did I name my son? And he says to Mary and Joseph, he says, you will call my son Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And I went, yo! Like, poof. God with us. That's the promise. Doesn't mean, it doesn't have, it doesn't say Tyler with us. It says, God with us. God with us. Not Tyler with God or Tyler will be. It's God with us. That's his promise. He literally named his son the promise. So in sadness, God with us. In happiness, God with us. In joy, God with us. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's what we lean on. When we go, when we struggle, when we fall, when we stumble, that's the promise. That's the promise. And if he is who he says he is, that promise is going to be kept. Period. Amen. So here's the challenge, guys, to you and to me, because I've already been challenged for the last couple months that I've had this sermon and been working on it and letting it stew and marinate. The challenge is this. Can you see Jesus? Are you looking for Jesus in your life? Are you looking for the presence of the Lord in your life? And I'm not talking about on the greatest day of victory in your life. Or on a day of victory over your struggles or anything like that. Can you see him Tuesday afternoon? When you, it's, it's coffee time now. Two o'clock in the afternoon, that's coffee time. Can you see him then? Are you looking for him then? You know, I told my wife. I said it was Tuesday night. And I was giving her the pre-sermon because I have to give somebody the pre-sermon. And I gave her the pre-sermon and I said, Are you looking for the Lord in your stomach ache? Your stomach's hurting. Are you looking for the Lord in that? 
It doesn't have to be victory over something. Are you just looking as you're walking up the steps, as you're driving to work, as you're driving home, going to the groceries? Are you looking for God there? Because it says God with us. That means he's not going to leave you. He's never going to stop. You have the Holy Spirit. Boom. There he is. You have Jesus. Named him. And then, so this is kind of interesting. And I'm, I told him I was going to tell him. I was going to say this. And I was going to give him credit. I was talking with my dad today as we were driving to get some stuff. And normally I discuss with him uh, my sermons. And he brought up this point, And I'm giving him credit. Okay, just so everybody knows. I told him I would. I said, I'm giving him this credit. And, he, and it, was a, it was a thoughtful credit. Okay. How often do you look for Christ in others? I went, oh, I said, that's a pretty good point. I wish I thought of it. How often do you look for Christ in others, in your husband, in your wife, in your enemy, in that nasty chef in the kitchen? How often do you look for Christ in that situation, Christ in that person? How often do you do that? Do you do that at all? And I went, yo. I thought the conviction was going to stop at some point. But here you go, fresh off the presses. How often do we look for Christ in others? How often do we look for Christ in our lives? And recognize Him, recognize Him working in our lives, in other people's lives. and without the need of a miracle. You know, we remember the miracles. Those are easy. But you know, I said, and as, as we were talking about that, I said, you know, Right now I'm recognizing the Lord as I'm talking with my dad in the truck driving. I said, I'm recognizing the Lord right now that I have the ability to converse with you and talk to you about Christ and God and what he's revealing to me, that we are driving in a vehicle safe, that we have a beautiful day, and that my son is in the back hearing his grandfather and his father discuss the Lord. And I said, God's right here. But I know that within 10 minutes, I could just not see him, could not be looking for him. But whether I see him or not, my, I will take comfort in Emmanuel. I will take comfort in Emmanuel, God with us. So I hope you enjoyed your conviction as much as me.
But that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And worthy is the Lord on His throne. And this is amazing, Lord, that where the enemy rejoiced in victory, he was really rejoicing with heaven in the victory that you had already orchestrated. He just didn't know it yet. So we thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for the challenge because without the challenge, we don't grow. And our eyes aren't opened. And so as we leave here tonight, Lord, let us see you in the car ride. Let us see you in the conversation. Let us see you in our hearts, in the hearts of others. And in it, let us give you glory. And that we ask, Lord, to reveal more. Reveal more. Just like you did with the the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Open up the word to us. Open up your heart to us. Open up your plans to us, Father. And all glory is yours and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen.